Welcome to the Crowdy Farm Report from Omaha, Nebraska. Today is September 28th, the day after the just, I don't even know how to describe it, out of control GOP debate, indec- undecorous, indecorous debate at the Reagan Library uh, in Simi Valley. Uh, I've been to Simi Valley, part of the Mad Monk's Guide to California, which you will be able to purchase on monkmagazine.com when it gets uh, relaunched in a couple of weeks as well as back issues of Monk for prohibitive sums of money because they're collector's items now. Uh, yeah, so this debate, wow, I don't know where to begin. First of all, let's start with the moderators. Um, I have some karma with one of them. Uh, it's somewhat odd, Stuart Varney, uh, always pleasant, but sort of ghostly looking with her makeup. Uh, I make up Dana Perino and a Univision uh, woman who really felt like a democratic plant, the questions he was asking. So it was very strange, a strange trio for Fox uh, business there in Simi Valley. And they lost, these moderators lost control of that debate early and often and never really got it back. All the candidates were really badly behaved. Uh, I don't know where to begin, but they were interrupting each other. They were not answering the question that was asked. By the way, hint to candidates, you want to you want to appeal to voters, answer the question directly. Don't go back to some previous thing as if there's some debate judge uh, from the Eagle Academy for Young Men uh, judging you and giving you points because you, you went back and didn't drop an argument. Just let it go. You'll get a chance later. Answer the question at hand. And then maybe if you have 10 seconds left, uh, get back to something um that was asked earlier. So I found that to be extraordinarily annoying. Uh, These are not good debaters. Um, And they also engaged in the lowest form of argument, which I've repeatedly told people, and you could see it in the documentary, Karate's Kids, which is the Latin term ad hominem to the man. That is attacking a person personally is uh, really a low form of argument. Uh, They talked over each other and they exhibited the emotional intelligence of a four-year-old, maybe a three-year-old. It's a hard debate whether it's a three-year-old or four-year-old emotional intelligence, but it was really, really annoying and unbecoming. Um, So none of them showed last night the temperament to be president, though I would say, obviously, Pence always has that temperament, generally speaking, uh, and to some extent... um, DeSantis does just because in his kind of bulldog, uh, you know, slaughterhouse worker, uh, you know, baseball player vibe. Sometimes he's not, he doesn't get him become too untethered. Sadly, Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina and UN ambassador, uh, who, 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 who was pretty strong in the first debate. She lost all that momentum by acting weirdly unhinged and overheated and personal and nasty towards uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, who, in contrast to the first debate, where he basically said all his competitors were bought and paid for, which is true, uh, and he is self-funding a lot of his campaign, so that is a good argument, but th- this time he tried to stay above the pr- fray. Uh, but then the normally you know sweet, congenial Tim Scott, uh, senator from South Carolina, he just he did the Haley thing and just went uh, postal on both Haley and Ramaswamy. So it was funny to me because it was like the three persons of color uh, slugging it out to see would be the to see who would be the top GOP POC 
Um, and, and they are the top three uh, com- uh, contenders behind DeSantis. That's kind of how I see this whole uh, exercise. Some say in futility, we will see, but it really will come down to over time, I think. Uh, DeSantis still slightly ahead and then flanked by um, Haley, uh, Ramaswamy, and uh, Scott, Tim Scott. Now, Mike Pence, uh, who, you know, is still running if it's, it's, it's 1986 uh, or uh, 1990, um, I feel bad for him because uh, he, he is, uh, he's, he's a very uh, stentorian, almost regal at times, uh, public servant who, who showed a lot of class and decorum during the years under Trump and unfortunately ran afoul of the MAGA base uh, for doing really what it's what was his duty, which is to uh, certify the election. Now, obviously, he would not have been a rubber stamp had most, uh, you know, the majority of the House decided to not certify. But in that role where it was just a tiny minority, he did the right thing. And then, of course, there's Doug Burgum. Now, both these men were non-factors. Um, uh, though the drug, though Doug, you know, wounded actually a torn, I think it was an Achilles tendon. Um, he was wounded in the first debate. Uh, he played basketball the day before. That alone, by the way, Doug, is uh, a delimiter for you because you shouldn't be playing at your age the game of basketball before your first uh, big appearance on the national stage. That is just t- totally. Um, mismanaged, uh, uh, poor campaign management. So I feel bad for Doug. Uh, he's trying to represent his state of North Dakota, which of course has been a total leader in uh, envir- in, in energy self-sufficiency. And uh, and he made those points. And of course he himself is a billionaire, he made money in the software business. He has skills and he has done great things in his state to promote small business uh, and uh, our, our energy future. But he just, sort of lacks something he's not he's charming in his sort of North Dakota way I love the state of North Dakota I love the Midwest he's not the guy that's come out of the Midwest to 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 be the new um the great the great statesman from the middle of from the prairie he's just not going to be that guy uh but he seems like a good person uh Chris Christie um you know I feel bad for Chris I mean his responses on Russia were very strong very clear uh, and also, again, his argument that he won in a blue state, the blue state of Jersey, won as a governor, also strong. Also, his calling out and DeSantis is calling out of Trump for being a wall, not being at the debate, were effective and they were necessary. But Christie is still not presidential. And, and his Donald Duck line was so pathetically rehearsed and lame. It took away from his gravitas in other areas. His job at this debate was to stop being the Donald Trump attack dog and show that he could be presidential and that he had the policy uh, chops to be president. And he just weirdly failed that test again. It's kind of sad because I know there's a lot of people like Chris and I think he would be a great attorney general, maybe even the head of Homeland Security. But you know, if Trump wins somehow by miracle, there's no way Chris Christie has any shot to be in that administration, so it's it's kind of sad to watch his fall from fall from uh, stature. Mm. Now, you know the the sort of um, Mayor Pete of the GOP uh, is Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, and he has is normally clipped, eloquent, 
uh, moments early on. And then he faded as he, as he got routinely interrupted by Haley and Scott to the point of absurdity. It was just ridiculous. Um, but anyway, Vivek really didn't make much of a showing, but he didn't get hurt at all. Uh, so, and he, he kind of was self-effacing at one point uh, and sincere, and I thought that was endearing. So he still remains this sort of flavor, interesting new flavor in the GOP, um, in the GOP of Baskin Robbins. Well, it's not full Baskin Robbins, a, a full Baskin Robbins with 31 flavors, but still he's an interesting new flavor. And, and I think that he will continue to get some support. Tim Scott, who is probably the most likely vice presidential choice um, for reasons that I've re uh, repeatedly articulated, which is uh, the, the urban black male vote is up for grabs. And if the, if the GOP can get 20% of black males, they win this thing. So uh, Tim, for his inspiring story, is, is, would be a great addition as a VP. But he, he kind of needs to, at this point, stop uh, stop his I am a you know son of a single mom shtick. It's inspiring. It's true. But we've heard it. We get it. We need to see more to your personality than that story. And um, and he sort of ends every time he responds to a question with some sort of patriotic hoo-ha. It's like he's given the final speech of the debate uh, right at the beginning of the debate. It's very strange. So somebody needs to walk him through how to just be normal and calm and respond with policy specifics uh, throughout instead of getting into this ad hominem stuff, which is beneath him. He's the be He's very smart when it comes to dollars and cents, and he needs to keep that as focus. Um, DeSantis, his best argument is he accomplished many of the GOP priorities that other others just talk about. I mean, he, he got things done on immigration, on woke indoctrination in schools, especially this whole issue of, um, you know, letting kids take hormones before the age of 10, you know, and gen genital mutilation of kids. It's just insane. And that, that is something he stood up against. And I'm proud of him. Uh, not that, you know, at 18, you can do whatever you want, but this idea that a kid based on their mutable identification of identity uh, can, can take hormones and, and um, can change their physical morphology, their morphology uh, before 10 is craziness. And I think both he and Vivek were very strong on that. Um, he also turned a purple state fully red in 2020. Uh, that's, that's, that's a major thing. I mean, the last midterm was surprisingly weak for the GOP. So it, it and, and it say, and so it's, and yet, and yet, um, and yet DeSantis did very well. So I I think there's a lot to be said for that. He needs to make that more the centerpiece of his campaign. Um, and I think last night, as he did in the first debate, DeSantis is starting to move into the projection of him that others had. Uh, the projection versus the reality um, was so stark early on, I thought he would drop out because he just he just floundered. Um, and But now, uh, you know, being at the center of the stage helps him if he could just keep some kind of gravitas, stop this goofy smiling thing and give us the serious Ron. That's the Ron that people want. Uh, you know, the Ron who will kick ass at the border on our streets in DC against the steep, deep state. And, and also who will send in uh, special forces to take out the cartels. That's the Ron that the GOP base wants. And he needs to stick with that. Um, 
so my conclusion is that DeSantis wins this debate uh, only because he didn't really fall for the ad hominem, you know, trap. Uh, he wasn't as hysterical as as uh, Tim Scott was, and and I don't I don't like to say this about women because that's seen as misogynistic. But for some reason, uh, Nikki Haley was not say hysterical, but just overamped, and it just didn't serve her at all. So he came across just based on decorum was better. Um, the so I do believe I've been feeling this all day that DeSantis could still win the nomination. Now it's far-fetched. And I'm not saying this will happen or is likely to happen, but of all the folks on that stage, he's still the likeliest person should Trump be, I don't know, somehow not able to run or uh, stumbles in some massive way beyond these indictments. He's the only one I think that could save the country from a Biden 2.0. Um, because Trump cannot beat Biden. That's something I've said repeatedly on posts on, on here on the Karate Farm Report. I hope you read them. I hope you become a paid subscriber. There's nobody else giving you this deep dive into the logic of politics and campaigns. And uh, I, I, I work it all out here on the pod and also in the post. Trump cannot currently beat Joe Biden, um, especially with 10 to 15% of the Republican Party actively anti-Trump. So so the goal would be for DeSantis to somehow overcome this vast gulf between in the polling between him and Trump by just grinding it out like the old Nebraska Cornhuskers in the 1990s, you know, grind it out three, four yards at a time, no big Hail Marys, once in a while, a trick play, just voter by voter, county by county, county trench warfare. He has the money. He has a very effective never back down super PAC uh, you know, publicist and 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 Aaron Perrin. I was at one time going to try to become the publicist for that campaign, and then I was kind of turned off by, um, you know, uh, DeSantis' early performance. But they have found an excellent person in Aaron Perrin. Uh, she makes the case for DeSantis better than DeSantis does, which says something. Uh, he, in interviews like the interview he did with Hannity after the debate, uh, he just comes off as weird, fake, stilted. Just he's just not likable. And that's a problem. So I don't think exposure uh, on TV is what he needs, except in these debates. I think it's it's person to person, voter by border. I think he can win that way and then and just do well in the debates. Um, I still believe when it comes down to it by Super Tuesday or even before, it'll be Trump, DeSantis and, and, the, and the three persons of color. I mean, th- th- this is the truth. Those are the five remaining viable contenders. Uh, and I think that if they continue their antics from last night, Haley, Scott, and Vivek, or Vivek not so much, but Vivek, if they keep destroying each other and tearing into each other, none of them are going to survive. And so it will be DeSantis versus Trump. Fortunately, um, neither of those candidates can beat Biden. Which brings up today's other big GOP news, uh, a Washington Post story suggesting that a sizable cohort of anti-Trump wealthy donors uh, are quietly convening in October to, or sooner, I think even, no, in October in Virginia Beach Beach to draft um, Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin, uh, the multi, like I think he's worth half a billion, uh, former Carlisle Group, executive 
uh, who's, who's been an effective governor of Virginia, although it's a weak governorship state, uh, they want to convince him to enter the fray. And that means he'd have to move very, very quickly to get on the ballot. Uh, some of the ballot deadlines are pretty early, I think in October in South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. So he may have to punt on the early primaries, which does not bode well. I, I don't know. I think Blunt Youngkin's best shot is to hope to get a VP slot because I'm not sure he can do well with this current field. He's not super charismatic, by the way. Um, but uh, the naked fact, the naked billionaire fact of this, with the Koch brothers going to start weighing in behind a candidate this fall and these other never Trump donors, that they're working so hard to defeat Trump, even though they're Republicans, shows me that, again, despite the polls, uh, Trump has almost no chance against the extremely well-funded Democratic machine. No matter if Joe Biden can talk or move, if he is non-compass mentis, he can still win. I've said that many times. It's been proven empirically. You just have to look at Hootie John Fetterman's Senate win when he could barely talk and he had to use a machine to talk and he still won comfortably in his Senate race. Uh, so I, I just don't, I just don't think that matters to Democrats. I mean, I thought it was elder abuse when they ran Biden in the first place in 2020. So uh, they're certainly not going to be uh, worried if Joe is stumbling into 2024. So um, it's, it's really is January 6th. The Democrats won that argument. Uh, it has bled 10 to 15 percent of Republican support for him. Uh, no matter what the polling says, the Dems and their prodigious get out the vote machine will wipe the floor with Trump. They will crush him. He has no chance if the existing patterns hold. He cannot win if he's losing 10, 10 to 15% of Republicans who have less registration than Democrats. It's just not possible. Um, and that's really because what unites Democrats is not the candidate necessarily, although they loved Obama. They loved Kennedy and they loved Clinton. It really, I mean, Joe, <laughs> Bill Clinton, not Hillary. Uh, the thing that unites them is identity politics, race baiting and abortion. Uh, and, and, uh, and above all that, actually bigger than all that, it's their Trump derangement. I mean, you just have to look at these people. They spend hours and hours a day just mainlining CNN and MSNBC. Uh, for any negative news on Trump, which gives them this endorphin high. They are obsessed with negative news about Donald Trump. Uh, if they could, um, and they don't care about due process, by the way, when it comes to Trump. They certainly don't. Well, Letitia James has showed us that. They don't care. They don't care. And, you know, that you would actually run for political office uh, to take out a private citizen is so unconscionable, but that's exactly what Letitia James did, and it's no better uh, in Georgia. Um, the fact is that the Democrats could string Donald Trump from a highway overpass, Ariano style, Mexican cartel style. They would. They literally would. Um, all their angst, all their angst about mom and dad or whatever their failures in life, they all get funneled into Trump derangement. This is such an overwhelming, powerful force that um, Trump cannot win because of it. Um, the Democrats, no matter how bad the economy is, no matter how bad homelessness is, how bad the, the, the Democrat enabled 
smash and grab epidemic is, you know, how bad, how broken the border is. It's all irrelevant. It does not matter because of the Trump derangement. So until there's like a DSM code for Trump derangement syndrome, and these people are, you know, put in hospitals, um, they will be untreated, viral, wild, and effective, and they will vote for Dems. And you cannot beat that force. It is so powerful. Uh, really, I mean, as bad as Gavin, Nancy, and Kamala's California is, all California Democrats don't care. They don't care that a junkie's outside their house. They don't care. They don't care. It's about Trump. But here's the conundrum. I'm not sure anyone else outside of Trump could beat the Dems either. Certainly no other nominee besides Trump can get MAGA support. I mean, DeSantis comes in a distant second. He gets some MAGA support, but nowhere near what is behind Trump. So the, so the Republicans are doomed either way in the general election. It's a Hobson's choice for them. It's a terrible situation. Um, so the GOP is stuck with Trump. The Dems are stuck riding with geriatric Joe and who is the most transparently corrupt hack to ever occupy the Oval Office, more than Warren G. Harding. This guy is corrupt to the core, uh, but but the, all the investigations won't matter. It won't matter even if he's impeached. The Dems are going to vote for him, and 10 to 15% of Republicans hate Trump. It does not matter. All of this is irrelevant. The only hope the GOP has of beating Biden is something I've talked about before, and I will repeat again here. Please listen carefully. It will be to donate massive sums of money to the charismatic, socialistic, potential Green Party standard bearer, our brother, Dr. Cornell West. Cornell West. That's key because he becomes the Jill Stein, Ralph Nader of this election cycle. If he can pull three to 4% of Democratic voters to him, that opens up a pathway in swing states. So he has to do well in Detroit, Milwaukee, uh, Cleveland. We're already in Ohio, but Cleveland, especially Philadelphia, that's key. Um, and, you know, maybe in, in some cities in Virginia, and of course, Atlanta and Phoenix. If Cornell, Dr. West can pull three to 4%, there's a shot. There's a shot. But that's not enough. The Republicans also have to beat the corrupt Dems at their own sick game. They have to institute an equally strong ballot harvesting operation. They have to engage in mass and encourage mass early voting, mass mail-in voting, and they have to have the courage to visit inner cities, talk to black voters in Baltimore, Detroit, Philly, Phoenix, Atlanta, go there, talk to black voters. And maybe they could start to pull off some, some urban black men while figuring out a way to peel off some suburban moderate Democrats uh, who are uh, ticked off at their lack of empowerment in their in the schools where their kids attend. Uh, that issue is what gave Glenn Youngkin the win in Virginia. And it's something that 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 one-two punch of peeling off some black male voters and some suburban female Democratic voters 
is the only way to overcome the enormous deranged hatred of Trump. So how do they do that? One way to do that is, to, is a Trump Tim Scott ticket. Uh, obviously, Tim is an African-American, would help in pulling off, and his success story would uh, appeal to urban Black men. And, and that, that he could help Trump. Trump also is kind of a blingy appeal to a lot of Black men. He could uh, peel off on his own a lot of Black male voters and Hispanic male voters. But I think Tim Scott would double down on that strategy and it would help. It would also cancel out all the loss of votes from the country club uh, neocon, never Trumper, forever war Republicans who really need to be booted out of the party, but are still kind of an essential part of it. Uh, I mean, they're the war party, and that is really not the Trump uh, isolationist view. But uh, anyway, that 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 Scott, that Trump Scott ticket could counteract the um, the warmonger side of things who hate Trump, of course, because Trump uh, is the lethal enemy of the military industrial complex. Even though he supported huge defense budgets, he was adamant uh, in his opposition to the Iraq war, although he came late to that position and he was adamant that we need to stay out of these stupid forever wars that of course, Bush Cheney got, got us into. So I, um, they're never going to be big fans of Donald Trump, even if he had the most congenial personality. Um, Tim Scott uh, is not going to be president and he's not going to win the nomination. Uh, but he needs to, he needs to, if he's going to be effective vice president, um, he, he needs to let out this kind of wry humor he let out last night. Sometimes he is very funny and he needs to let that out. I mean, I, I think the comment he made about Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley moving into an office with these expensive curtains that were put in there by Obama. I mean, it was a really silly argument. But, you know, the, the thing is, afterwards, all I could think about was <laughs> Nikki Haley's expensive curtains. So it's kind of funny. Um, a young a, another option besides Trump and Scott is a Trump Youngkin ticket. Um, it could pull off those same uh, Democratic uh, suburban women, but again, it's two white guys, two wealthy white guy ticket. I mean, I personally would like it because I know for sure they would make me more money if they came into office because taxes would go down, regulations would go down. But um, not so sure in this identity obsessed America, that's a very good look. Um, I'll end with this. I, I hate to sound so dire, but I really think 2024 is the Republicans' last chance to reign in the deep state, which is in, you know, unveiled against them in so many ways. Um, you know, unless, unless they could get the neocons, the never Trumpers, the, the forever war country clubbers to, to grow up and realize the dire choice before them, um, uh, you know, the, it's going to be tough. Um, and there is, if there was some magical unifier, people think it's Glenn Youngkin. I don't think it is. Who's going to combine MAGA with the never Trumper, you know, neocon view, then maybe that's, that's, that's a hope, but I think he's overrated. He's kind of pablamy. Uh, he's just, he's just, he's kind of mediocre and he doesn't really have any chutzpah or pizzazz. I don't think he's going to, flip a switch inside of MAGA that's going to get them excited. I just don't see it. He'd be a good VP candidate, though, in the way that Pence was with Trump. Trump is a huge personality. And, and people like, you know, Tim Scott, Mike Pence, uh, and Glenn Youngkin are kind of the perfect 
counterpart. I think Nikki Haley would be a bad vice president. She's just a little too vicious. She's still carrying that seek, you know, uh, hidden hidden knife in the turban, as it were, uh, in a metaphorical sense. And so she's ready to stab you. And I don't think that's a good thing in a vice president. Uh, she's It's either she wins or she's out. Maybe she can be made secretary of defense. Maybe she can be made secretary of state. That's a, that's a likely option for her. But um, I'm not so sure she'd make a very good vice president. Um, how do we end this? Um, the DNC. I'll always end with this because I do. I'm always impressed, you know, thinking back on what Machiavelli said, that if the prince is to defeat evil, he needs to be evil in return. And the Democrats understand evil. They are the evil party. The, and the Republicans are the stupid party. And... Um, the DNC will always do what it needs to win. Last time they got all the other candidates who had good chances to win, to fold their tents early and get behind Biden. It seems the RNC is not ready to make that move. Um, it wants to play this out a bit. Uh, but um, at the end of the day, um, the Republicans' best chance, besides the things I noted above, is to get the Democrats worried about Biden. They want to, the Democrats always are kvetching and worried about, you know, their choice. They were worried about Biden and about Obama in 2012 when Romney moved up in the polls and Obama did poorly in the debates. But at the end of the day, what the Democrats got is they got control of the deep state. They got control of media, social media, search, entertainment, fashion, and election workers in key urban areas. They control the election process in a lot of ways. Um, the, the, the democratic machines of, uh, of yore are still alive today. You know, you don't need a daily, you don't need a uh, Pendergrass, you don't need any of those, uh, the boss tweeds of the world. Uh, they win because they have a better infrastructure and they have enormous amounts of money paying for volunteers to go door to door to make sure old ladies are voting, to go into nursing homes, to go wherever a potential vote is and get them out to vote. They're amazing. So again, it's not about who's on the Democratic ticket. It's about the Democratic machine. In the Republican case, it is about who's on the ticket because their infrastructure is so weak by comparison. So that's where it's at. I didn't see anybody last night who's going to beat that Democratic machine, but I've given you some options uh, that, that may give you hope. Nothing's changed in the Karate Calculus, but I'm always open to new contingencies. This is the Karate Farm Report.